You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everybody and welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. Tonight, we're kind of missing Brian. Jay's back in online with us, and he's going to be my partner tonight. Well, he's always a partner anyway, but tonight it's just the two of us. How you doing, Jay? Doing well, John. The uh, Jacksonville Jaguars just embarrassed the Indianapolis Colts, so I'm elated. They look like a real football team. I know we're here to talk about the Hokies, but go Jags. Uh, some people like strange things. The Steelers lost today, so... Uh. I can't wait to hear Pittsburgh dad say something about that. I love, I love dad. the Pittsburgh dad. He's so <laughs> funny. Let's take it one step at a time. We got three segments. First segment, since we didn't do the big post-game blitz because we had kind of a game that, that categorized that game, I'd say it was boring. Wofford was a boring game. There was a lot done, but Wofford was just not an exciting football game. It was a practice scrimmage. I mean, it was. it's like they do in the NFL when teams meet up and play against each other. It unfolded largely the way I expected it to, where they're not going to open up the playbook when they've got the biggest game of their season thus far in five days, and they're really trying to iron out some things on the offense. So I wasn't surprised. I was hoping they'd get one more touchdown and go for two so that my score prediction would be exact because I said 35-7, and it ended up being 27-7. Yeah, I was hoping for that last touchdown, and then he kind of shut it down at the end there. And Brown was playing pretty good football. He was slinging the ball around and stuff. So that gives me a little hope, too, that we get a backup that can do that. Yeah, it was curious to me that they didn't bring him out earlier. They must have wanted to iron some more things out with Wells because the Hokies defense, even rotating their second and third stringers in, had one of the FCS's worst offenses well in hand. Like, Wofford was not going to win that game. So I'm surprised that, that Jason Brown only got one. I think it was one series is all he got. I don't even know if it was a full one series kind of say, but Wofford, their offense. Now, they were surprisingly good at blocking. They really were. They kept their quarterback on his feet, but I don't think we were putting any fancy pressures on. And then when we did put a fancy pressure on here and there and Connor would come through or, you know, they would have a safety blitz or something, it completely shut him down. It stopped them cold. So it was like a non-hungry cat playing with a mouse. We used almost all backups on defense. As I was going through starting the pictures, almost everybody was a two or three. What they did was they seemed to manage to get one captain on the field with a whole bunch of twos for each of the different levels. So Which they would have sense. a yeah, they would have a starter on the defensive line, and then all the rest of the defensive line would be backups. And then they would have like Dax in for a while at linebacker, and everybody else on the linebacker was a backup. And then the yeah. same thing with the secondary. Those captains can go get some leadership skills, leading non-starters for a change. Yeah. And it's also somebody who knows what's going on and on the field and can be kind of a coach on the field. The other thing I think was, yeah, they ran with the basic vanilla looks. They didn't do a whole lot of stunting. They didn't do a whole lot of shifting off. 
They did try some pressures every once in a while, but they were natural pressures. They worked on four men putting pressure on the quarterback, not blitzing and doing all sorts of crazy stuff and, you know, zone blitzes. I would have liked to have seen a couple of zone blitzes myself. There are a couple of situations where a couple of zone blitzes would have really blown up whatever Wofford was trying to accomplish, but they didn't do it. So I think it was basically an exercise and experience game, and they just weren't going to show anybody anything, period. No, I liked some of the, we'll call it loose experimentation. It was nice to see Jaden Blue and Moss out there kind of doing stuff we hadn't seen yet. Like a lot of like sideline passes, like Moss looked like he was making NFL catches with, you know, both toes on the ground, catching the ball that was like kind of thrown almost out of bounds. He looked sharp there. That's going to be extremely valuable if we can continue to maintain that skill set. And then Jaden Blue sharp route runner as well. He was looking good. There was some nice Wells passes where he's like threading the needle and Blue yeah. was catching it. So I liked seeing that, but yeah, I were... did not like how difficult the offensive line was having blocking for runners. Like all of our rushing yards pretty much came from the outside or if the tight ends were backing up the offensive line, they, the offensive line was not run blocking well by themselves. Now I was impressed with Wofford's defense. I have to admit they have a good defensive coordinator. I got, I got to say, Wofford's defense was pretty good. They were very active. They were filling holes. And they were blowing up block patterns pretty well on the inside. Yes, extremely well. I noticed the same thing where they were just basically quick creep filling in cracks. They're like, nope, nobody's getting through here. You better run outside. Yeah. And okay, that's fine if you have Keyshawn King or you have Malachi Thomas. Yeah. But you got Jalen Holston as your lead back. And I'm sorry, I love Jalen. Great heart, good leader, good team guy. But Jalen Holston is a fullback. He's not going to bounce one to the outside. He's not going to yeah. stand up and have that. Remember Khalil Herbert with, that, with his butt down and his head up in a lot of balance, and he could spot the seam and take off you know, and split off? Well, Thomas can do that. Now, they did get Chance Black in there a little bit. and Oh, he, he got almost as many carries as Holston did. He was just, they were trying to run him through the middle. And he, he's not a middle runner. He's, he's not that big. He's not a block of stone. Did you see um, them running Bryce Duke? That young man yeah. looks like he might be dangerous. I mean, I know it was Wofford, yeah. but that dude had some snap and some speed. Like, I'm excited to see what he, he does when he gets... Yeah, he looks like he could be dangerous. He had some real nice acceleration to a hole. He was, he was doing that Khalil Herbert thing where, where he was yeah. spotting the hole and then it taking off toward the hole as it developed. So, yeah, I was really impressed with Duke. Yeah, I think it would be cool if like if he could get like another 20 pounds on him, like 5'11", yeah. like 220, be a little bowling ball, like a mini Maurice Jones-Drew just like popping out of the behind the, the offensive line at full speed all of a sudden, too heavy to tackle easily. It's just our offense is two years from being gelled and complete. Well, he we should be have... coming into his own right about that time. Right. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And so should our offensive line because most of our good players on the offensive line are two years away. They just are two years away because they're all freshmen and they're yep. going to need a red shirt or they're going to need to put more time in. And you're going to see something different now. We're going to have to put up with a little bit. They're going to be experimenting with stuff. They're going to be looking at things. They're going to be changing things up. I don't think we're going to see a lot of real heavy duty consistency for a while because they're going to be going, okay, well, that doesn't work. We're going to go try this. Yeah, and I have a lot of trust in, in Joe Rudolph. It wouldn't surprise me at all if after 
I don't know, after the midseason, we we see a lot better run blocking. I'm pretty happy with their pass blocking, actually. I mean, oh, you know, sometimes the, Wells has to run away a little bit, but by and large, I think he does a good job. Yeah, the pass blocking's there, but, but remember, that's what they a lot of these guys were taught and recruited on was pass blocking anyway. So Rudolph is consistently working with them. They was doing it again on, you know, in the warmups before the game. He's teaching run blocking. He's teaching drive blocking. He's teaching catch this hip, do this. How to block with your paw in the dirt, as they used to say, instead of this passive pass blocking stuff that you do with options. So, you know, that's our little short review. Don't be worried about the score, folks. Honest to God, this was planned. It probably should have been zero, but, you know, as Brett Cry said in his little wrap-up of the news conference, he said, i got to talk to some guys about this, some things. They were supposed to be on some coverage, and they weren't, you know, and that kind of stuff. But those were threes. The guys that got scored on were like threes, and not even threes. Some of them were true freshmen who were going to be redshirted. So yeah. there is some stuff to talk about. Yeah, I agree, John. The, the score is not the issue there. Like, could we have blown them out? Certainly. Like, you could actively see the offense running plays that didn't make sense for the situation simply so they could practice that specific play, not necessarily yeah. try to put another touchdown on the Terriers. Yeah. Now, speaking of putting touchdowns on people, we'll be back after this commercial break, and we're going to talk about West Virginia, and that's a whole other ball of wax. So this Thursday night, the West Virginia Mountaineers are going to return to Blacksburg and they're going to face off against the Virginia Tech Hokies in a game that I've been to several times, although many years ago, John, I've got fond memories of West Virginia visiting on Thursday and Saturday night games. So pretty excited to see them come back. I am quite nervous about the game in and of itself because West Virginia presents the most complete and dangerous team the Hokies have played thus far. And to start off our conversation, I want to take a look at the West Virginia defense, which is largely kind of maligned right now as potentially not being that good. But we also need to realize they've been facing, or the two FBS offenses they faced are pretty good, right? So we know Pittsburgh's a pretty strong offense. And honestly, Pittsburgh won that game with a pick six, which wasn't scored against their defense. West Virginia's defense actually held Pitt's offense to fewer points than theirs. And then when you take a look at KU, who is probably one of the biggest surprises up there with Syracuse with regards to production and night and day from what they were last year. They're actually one of the most prolific yards per game teams out there right now with 453 yards per game and 53 points per game. 53 points per game is good for number three in the entire country. So that's a pretty good offense as well. So does West Virginia's defense have some questions to answer? Yeah, dude, it's a big 12 team, but I also don't think they're as bad as we might think they are because they've had to face off against some pretty decent offenses. Anything yeah. to add to those thoughts, John? Well, well, yeah, just so that everybody knows, in the Kansas game, there were 97 total points in that game between the two teams. And in the Pitt game, there were 69 total points in that game. Now, of course, it was overtime, and it was a touchdown in overtime. But that's a lot of points that we haven't seen that many points on our offensive side of the ball. And that's kind of the second part of this segment is, okay, we have a West Virginia defense that has not faced any sort of anything else but a high-powered offense. So we don't really know how they're going to react. They could be terrible. They could be really good. And we just didn't know because they're faced with such high-powered offenses. 
that even reasonable coverage on defense just isn't going to work. You know, the Big 12 is like that. If anybody, all of us that are football fans have watched Big 12 games and you go to sleep on them because it's like, where's the defense? You know, the ball goes that way. It's like a ping pong game. And, you know, at some point you kind of are unentertained by that. But on Thursday night, Virginia Tech's offense has to do three things. And what are those three things? We need to control the ball. We need to keep their offense off the field by making effective drives. And I don't care how they do it. I don't care if they mix it up. I'm one of those people that says that unless we have Malachi Thomas or Keyshawn King out there on the field, or maybe both of them, hopefully, if we don't have them out on the field, we've got to pass the ball and we're going to have to go to what they were experimenting with on Saturday, which is those quick outs, the halfback coming out, the tunnel screen, not just the tunnel screen, but the flare screens that were coming out just a little past the line of scrimmage so that at least we got positive yards on a pass. We weren't getting trapped behind the line of scrimmage on a pass. So, so number two is we're going to have to move the ball effectively. We cannot not score points. We're going to have to steal ourselves. And that's the third one. We've got to score points. We can't sit there and go, okay, that didn't work out. You know, two two runs in the past, long, third and impossibly long, and it didn't work out. So we'll just punt and then we'll de- defend. We can't do that, can we? No, not at all, John. And I think uh, one other thing to point out with regards to the West Virginia defense is they actually are pretty decent at stopping running backs. So when you take a look at what they did against Pitt, they only allowed 76 total rushing yards with Pitt, right? They allowed 384 total yards, but almost all of those came in the air. When you look at Kansas, they allowed 200 yards rushing, but 85 of those came from their dual threat quarterback. So they do a pretty good job stopping running backs. I think even with Malachi Thomas and Keyshawn King, who both will hopefully be back, we are going to have to have what we've talked about for years, a valid intermediate passing game. And even if we have to dink and dunk our way down the field and it's maybe a little sleepy and boring, we need to put together sustained six-minute drives that end in points because we absolutely will not be able to keep up with West Virginia in a shootout. They will punish us if we end up in a shootout. There's no way around it. And it's not just West Virginia, folks. It's any Big 12 team that we'd ever face. They are high-powered offenses. That's where the air raid came from. That's where all of this stuff, the modified West Coast offenses came from. And they just stand on the accelerator and they start throwing the ball down the field and they get sticky fingered receivers that get free and get separation. You don't even have to have brilliant quarterback. You just have to have a quarterback who does what he's told and hits his targets. Two other things to think about. Obviously, turnovers are bad. We know that. We saw what can happen even against a mediocre team like ODU. But, you know, I always like to think that an offense gets at least one because you just never know what's going to happen. But if we have multiple turnovers in this game and we give West Virginia a short field with an already powerful offense, that's probably a hill too, too high to climb for us. Like we cannot be giving them turnovers. You know, we'll give them one because things happen. But if we have multiple turnovers, it's, it's going to be a particularly painful night. What are your thoughts about that? He's done a good job protecting the ball ever since ODU. But Grant Wells, I'm worried. The second thing is if they get behind and he gets jumpy and he starts gunslinging, starts throwing interceptions deep down the field, trying to force things to happen, Grant Wells is going to have to stay calm in the face of adversity, which is almost surely going to pop up. Yeah, there's no way it isn't. And this is, this is his acid test. 
our offensive, it, it is our total offensive acid test. And one of the reasons why is even if we get, okay, if we get King back, he's had some experience with this line. But Thomas has had no experience with this line at all. He hasn't been on the field other than practice stuff. So what I'm concerned about is, okay, they go and slam Malachi Thomas in if he's available, and he's still maybe not 100%, and he hasn't kind of gelled with how the offensive line is doing things, and it breaks down, and then Wells starts to fish, you know? And I do not want Wells fishing, because Wells starts fishing, that ball's going to start going to the wrong helmet or into or sailing because he does like to throw on the run. He throws on the run and sometimes the ball sails on him. And suddenly that the intended receiver is waving at the ball going 12 feet over his head while the safety is back there sucking it up. I'm really worried about that. That's where I'm concerned. And at some point in time, we're going to talk about their offense here in the next segment. But at some point in time, text offense is going to have to start developing or demonstrating a character. Right now, we haven't demonstrated anything other than the fact that we're boring. And we need to be not boring to beat this kind of team. Yeah, and to that point, I'm hoping that we get to see some of the stuff that they've been working on in practices that we haven't been privy to. We recognize that they've been running a pretty vanilla playbook against, or they were running a pretty vanilla playbook against Wofford. So I'm I'm excited to see that hopefully it's more creative versus like trying to send it downfield, like we've talked about before, like on occasion, particularly against Wofford, right? Wells was able to have some pretty nice longer passes, but that's not something I'm super confident about against Power 5 competition. So I'm, I'm looking for creativity, but not necessarily flash. So no, hopefully I, we'll see more of that. I just want adequate. At this point, I want some adequate. We're, right now, it's not we're poor. We're just, we're kind of halfway between poor and adequate. And we need to at least get to adequate and a little bit above when we need to be. So, okay, that's our offense and their defense. When we come back from the commercial break, we're going to reverse it and we're going to talk about their offense and our defense. And this is going to be key to the game. So we'll be right back after these messages. Okay, everybody, welcome back. Hey, Jay, we talked about our offense and their defense and now we're going to talk about the key to the game, which is going to be our defense and how it handles their offense. And I'm not going to talk about our defense first. We're going to end the show with a little hope. But I'm going to talk about their offense because their offense is, one, A, strange. It is. And B, man, is it high power. Oh, even losing, they're scoring four touchdowns, five touchdowns. It's not funny, is it? No, not at all. I think um, one of the key things to take a look at, too, with regards to the offense, which we'll get into a little bit more with our defense, that gives me hope. Both of those games against Pitt and Kansas ended because JT Daniels threw pick sixes. He's only thrown two interceptions this season, and both of them were sent back at the end of the game against Pitt. Right, That happened in the fourth quarter to put Pitt up. And it happened with Kansas during overtime, which obviously an interception for a touchdown during overtime is an automatic win. So hopefully we'll see some more of that. Yeah, the big thing that I'm concerned about with their offense, okay, besides JT Daniels, who's got a pretty good rating, he's uh, 78 for 120. And as far as their whole offense is 78 
out of 120 attempts for 887 yards, okay? That's all of them. That's not just Daniels because West Virginia's been putting all of their other quarterbacks in. They've got well, Daniel, four quarterbacks Daniels listed as stats. Yeah, Daniels played all of the Pitt and yeah, KU game. Only played a sprinkling of their game against Towson, but the dude started out at USC as a former five-star, and he beat Stetson Bennett for the starting job at Georgia last year. The only reason that Stetson Bennett came in is because a nagging back injury flared back up, and so they had to sit him down, and Stetson Bennett came in, and obviously he started you know, spit in pure fire. And they're like, we're not going to bench this kid. Sorry, JT. But that's a dude that was starting on a national championship caliber team last year, right? He's the one that beat Clemson on the yeah. opening season. Correct. Now, here's the score with that, though. He's tender. He's got that hitch in his back, which means he's not going to run. They're going to protect him, and he is not going to run. He so, like running. Yeah. Now, now okay. That's an advantage, except for one thing. And that one thing, that one advantage that they have is a guy named C.J. Donaldson, who is the scariest dude I've seen on a football field in college this season. He's listed as a tight end. And I'm like going through the stats going, wait a minute, when I was taking snippets and looking at the West Virginia games and stuff as we were kind of stumbling through the beginning of the season, and I was looking and I was looking at this kid and he's running the ball and you're listening to him as a tight end. And I'm like, okay, somebody's playing something funky here. Well, what it is, is this kid is basically linebacker big and line outside linebacker fast. So they kind of sort of have him as an H-back kind of guy, kind of like Blumrick, only he's bigger and faster than Blumrick. He is. He's uh he's pretty interesting. Like he averages nine point four yards per carry. He's got two hundred seventy four yards on the ground, six touchdowns, and he has an eighty two yard touchdown. So like people were chasing him down the field. The dude's quick. He's very dangerous. He's not their only threat in the backfield either. They have no. other running backs that are normal good power five running backs, but he is quite the hybrid dangerous player. Well, Right now in the stats book, though, Tony Mathis Jr. is their only other real running back choice. And gee, it's 234 yards on 49 attempts for an average of 4.8 yards and his long's 25. So that isn't shabby. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it, it ain't shabby. bad at all. <laughs> I take that. You want to come over here? So, yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm like looking at their offense from the fact that okay, this is going to be the matchup for the game. Their offense is not something to go, oh, well, you know, it's Big Ten and Big 12. I mean, and Big 12 doesn't have, like, defense, so they're going to all look real good. And all I just said, excuse me a minute, wait, stop, halt. No dice on that one. Our defense is going to have to play a season game on Thursday night. They are going to have to bring everything. They're going to have to bring the house we're going to have to see some student body blitzes. We're going to have to see somebody is going to have to be put on the Donaldson kid. Somebody's going to, it's going to have to be a spy. Then it's going to have to be a big spy. They're going to have to grab artists. Maybe Keonta Jenkins is just going to have to say, dude, they're going to have to say, okay, this is his number. And he goes nowhere without you hitting him. I don't care if he's going to the sideline to take his shoes off, to stretch his toes, you hit him. Yeah, and hopefully they're going to have a smart handoff plan because he's fast enough that a linebacker is probably going to get burned by him, honestly. And if if we run into a situation where we are blitzing and he gets outside of it and gets cool. into the secondary, we're in trouble. Yeah, because he still can catch the ball too. So he's still... He, he's still he can catch receiver. and he's fast and he's huge. 
And even if we do stop him, when you've got players like Bryce Ford Weaver, like their leading wide receiver, they got a pretty solid wide receiving core too. Like it's not the elite that Oklahoma is, but it's still in the top half of the Big 12. And Bryce Ford Weaver, who barely played against Towson, understandably so, they they did exactly what we did where they were playing their second and third stringers. But he had two touchdowns against Kansas and 192 yards, sorry, 152 yards, and then 97 yards and two touchdowns against Pitt. Like he ain't shabby. No, so he can move it down the field. So we have a three-dimensional problem, don't we? We've got to get to the quarterback in the backfield. The quarterback is vulnerable. He cannot move very well, but he's got a good arm, and he's got good eyes, and he's got crackerjack receivers. So we've got to get to the quarterback. We're going to have to get to the quarterback with pretty much natural pressure, maybe one blitzing linebacker, because somebody is going to have to spy Donaldson. There's no way around it. They're going to have to burn a player to make sure that that kid doesn't do damage, period. I'm worried that if if it's not, like you said, like kind of like naturally handled by the defensive line, they're going to start having to cheat up the linebackers even more, which is going to expose them to JT Daniels just rain in pain. If you guys have not watched, like look up some of his highlights of some of the uh, the long range throws that he's made. They're just absolute dimes. That young man has a good arm. Yeah, Hopefully it- he'll throw a pick six to us as well. And that's going to be the important part of safety. The free safety over the top is going to be challenged. I can even see Tampa 2, where we have two safeties deep, two safeties over the top. One safety concentrating on somebody coming out on the ground like Donaldson or somebody coming out on the ground short and then having a safety be able to cover deep because they're going to have to do it. And I don't see any other way around it. So, you know, keys to the game, defense has got to stop their offense or slow it down. The defense has got to at least slow down their offense and make it work. No fast scores, and they're going to have to work hard to score. You know, three downs. Okay, if they're going to get a first down, they're going to have to do it for three plays before they get that first down. It's just no big chunks of yardage. Keep the coverage tight. You know Pry's going to call man coverage, and it's going to be tight man. It's going to be like plaster, and he's going to put a zone over the top to make sure that it's tight. And I think we're going to see the defense challenge like it's not been challenged at all this year. That's the key to the game is our defense has to step up. And the other key to the game is our offense has to produce points. I think if I was to lay them out, I think the primary job the offense has to do is those sustained drives. Even if they only end in a field goal, put points up. We cannot get in a situation where we have multiple three and outs and our defense is getting exhausted with that West Virginia offense coming to the field. And also, as I said before, turnovers could break us. Defensively, yeah, slow them down. You're not going to stop them. It's just no way. But if we can at least like staunch the bleeding a little bit, that'll help out. And I think something that we haven't talked about yet today is we cannot allow a backbreaking play on special teams. West Virginia actually has a pretty good special teams unit. If they score on special teams or they get an awesome punt return and they only have a short field, that could be the end. You always get bit by that, don't you? Because we got bit by that in the ODU game. Other than that, the ODU game was a winnable football game. Other than that, special teams foul up. Well, you know, that's that's kind of the end of it tonight. I mean, we're going to I'll be in the stadium on the field with the camera in my hand. You don't want to do predictions? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, we'll get to predictions, I suppose. I'm thinking that it it's an if situation. If the defense does what I said it does and the offense can do it, I think we're going to have a tight game. 
I think it's going to be, you know, 60 point over and under, and I would take the over and uh, probably take us and the points. If I was well, you're much more optimistic than I am. And we've been debating this ever since the beginning of the year. I, I don't think we're going to win this one. I hope that I'm wrong. And I hope that I get a whole bunch of hate mail on Friday morning about how wrong I was. But I, I appreciate the development that the Hokies have shown since they've started, but I haven't seen anything that indicates that we're actually going to be able to slow down an offense this capable. And I haven't seen anything on our offense that says that they're able to deal with a power five decent defense, middle of the road defense at all. So I hope that I'm wrong and that we see something different, but I I actually think it, I don't think it's going to be that close. I'm thinking like 42, 28. Okay. So, well, like I said, I thought we were going to lose. Remember if I'm betting tech in the points, but I'm thinking we might end up being a little closer than that. And I'm, I got my fingers crossed that we get it right. But, you know, it, this is every game is a 1 0 game. This season, Pry keeps telling everybody that and he means it. You know, it, it's, it's going to be what they get on the field and what they get out of it every single day. So, okay, Jay, I mean, you know, neither one of us are predicting the win. It just, it just depends on, on how much. And I will be excited to be wrong. I yeah. will be thrilled to be wrong. It's possible that we win, but it's not probable that yeah. we win. It's a peer team, but they're just a little bit farther down the road than we are. Yep. So, okay, everybody, we're going to leave you with what we always leave you with. And we'll see you on the other side for the game wrap-up. And Jay will be on Facebook. And then we'll all be on the uh, post-game blitz. And we'll see what happens. So, Go Jay, Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.